Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm Brian Wayne, and this is another trade negotiations episode. If you're not familiar with trade negotiations, this is a segment I created to really give praise and a full, complete rundown of one dedicated, complete volume or story arc of something. Usually, it's in a trade paperback form. That's how I pick it up, hence the name Trade Negotiations. (laughs) So this week, I will be going over Chew once again. And believe it or not, we are up to volume 10 already. Blood Pudding. Now, uh, if you are new to the podcast, you can go through and listen to the last nine volumes. I didn't just jump straight to Chew Volume 10. It's not that kind of random in my life. I can't do that type of stuff. I have covered all of Chew, and I plan on covering all of Chew from here on out. Uh, There are two more volumes after this, so we've almost done it. We've almost completed it. And I do hear that there will be more Chew. I, I, it's gotta be. I mean, it's it's too good. I don't know how it ends yet because I haven't got that far. But it's it's come on. We gotta we we need more chew in our lives. But in the meantime, we've got volume ten here. John Layman, Rob Guillory, still just making magic. So let's start out with chapter one. We've got Pollo arriving in hell, and <laughs> as we learned in. A Poyo single shot in a couple a couple volumes back, I believe. Got a little uh, Poyo interlude, Poyo in hell, and how how Satan fears Poyo. Well, we know in the last volume it ended with Kobe snapping Poyo's neck, and uh, yeah, well, so Poyo is in fact dead, goes to hell, and <laughs> Satan's just running for his life. Calls for a retreat. This is worse than. The, uh, the, the, the rapture, the apocalypse, whatever the fuck they want to call it, it's, it's, it's bad. So we get a little <laughs> epilogue there in the beginning, it's fun, it's good shit. And then the next time we see Poyo is in Colby's freezer, because he's, he's fixing to make him some, some Poyo, some food, you know. And he's, he's gonna do that, we'll get to that in a minute. But first, we, uh, we cut over to kind of the, the aftermath of all of the the fucked up shit that kind of Colby laid out and the big one the big repercussion is the fact that Tony Chu no longer wants Colby as his partner. Colby has been Tony's partner really from the very beginning of this. They've, you know, had moments where they're not partners, you know, when Colby's dead, for instance, or thought to be dead at least. But yes, they've they haven't really had a falling out like this and when Chu realizes that Colby has not only teamed up with Savoy behind his back, but also helped Savoy train his own fucking daughter behind his back and pull a bunch of lies and stuff. Yes, he's he's all he's all mad, especially when he you know his his daughter Olive is in the fucking hospital right now. She's got her whole fucking face all bandaged up, and Savoy is also in the hospital as well. He's thought to be in a coma. So, you know, it's a uh, it's tense situation. So, who's partnering up with who? Well, Colby's reassigned to a mystery partner, and we're given two clues. One, uh, also a USDA agent, and two, they have actually had a, a former partnership before. So there's a couple of people it could be. How ironic would it be if it was fucking Poyo, right? 
So, <laughs> uh, well, and then Chu, on the other hand, he's partnered with a very unlikely motherfucker, but somebody that is already on the uh, FDA's payroll, and that is D-Bear himself. But the the partnership that these two actually come together with turns out it's 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 a lot of fun. So, carrying on, these two they they go to their first crime scene, D Bear and Chu, and the uh, the the crime scene involves these gummy bear tanks and these uh, jawbreaker cannons and all this shit. And you know this, the the witnesses were claiming that they're the dude that was manning the tank was claiming to be from EGG or Egg, which is the weird terrorist anti chicken brutality corporation. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, he fucking, so they, they know exactly who he is, there's all these witnesses, so they go to the candy shop that this guy supposedly works at, and the, this guy is named Raymond Reese, and he is a, oh boy, I get, I get my first crack at one here, a Creosacrer, Creosacrer, and essentially what he does is he's able to manipulate sugary treats into actual working machinery, hence gummy tanks and... Uh, jawbreaker cannons so but the here's the thing is he doesn't remember any of this he doesn't deny that he's the one that did it because i mean how many people out there have the ability you know to have gummy tanks and jawbreaker cannons but he does say i don't fucking remember it so while he's questioning uh, or while tony's questioning raymond d bear he's sent to question the store owner and then the store owner he offers d bear a mint and he's like nah bitch i'm asking you a question and he says it just like that too <laughs> d bears this shit <laughs> bitch i don't know fucking mint i'm asking you a question i'm the fda but the thing is, is she's not, she's, she's like spinning the mint all weird, and the next thing you know, she's trying to hypnotize him. So, huh, you're kind of getting some, uh, some ideas immediately as to why one couldn't remember doing all this shit. Well, it's on account of his boss is a mint imperior. Huh, <laughs> got that one right, I think. And yes, it is exactly what you would think, one that is able to hypnotize with, uh, peppermints. So... Uh, she confesses to it all. She says, "Yeah, uh, war is coming, just like you know the I'm proclaiming, and yeah, I'll go to jail." But here's the thing: is I'm fucking 90 years old. I'm a first-time offender. I'm gonna live out my twilight days with three meals a day. Life is good, all under the taxpayer money by committing this crime and shit. And but and then at last, everything, everybody's aware. And then, whew, yeah. So she just wins all around, but. Chu and D-Bear do end up doing their jobs nevertheless. So, and then the, the end of this first chapter here is really Colby, he's pleading with Tony. You know, he's, <laughs> please, we, I, I, I know how to take down uh, the collector. You just, you, you, you gotta put some stuff past you for a moment and... Yeah, man, I don't know, it's, uh, it's kind of sad there. It doesn't look like things are gonna be be in Tony's favor for much longer, but he's, while he's on the phone, you see something that I touched on in the beginning of the issue, and that's, you know, Poyle getting cooked, because he's getting pulled out of the freezer, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, he's getting pulled out of the oven, but then dumped in the trash, uh, after, uh, you know, uh, Kobe hangs up with Tony, and then he makes his way up to the hospital, and, yeah, that's, that's how chapter one ends, 
Now, uh, doesn't really deliver a whole lot of information in the beginning of this volume, but uh, at the same time, I think it picks up nicely from where the last one left off. You know, we, we get to learn some fun new uh, food powers like Mint Imperior and Creo Sakara or whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. It's, it, it hasn't missed a beat. And once again, like I say and express throughout all of these, me going through and talking about this is only... I could probably only portray about 15% of the potential enjoyment that this book is capable of. Because Guillory drops just comedy egg after Easter egg after Easter egg that you're just... It, Oh, man, it's 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 fucking brilliant. So I do recommend you absolutely go through and you, you, you enjoy this visually yourself. And, like, Layman is also a king of jokes as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not delivering these jokes word for word. So that's, that's my disclaimer for <laughs> why you should still go out and read this book beyond this. But that's just chapter one. There's still plenty more to go in volume ten. Let's move on to chapter two. So right off the bat in chapter two, we learn who Colby's mystery partner should be. And remember when I jokingly said, <laughs> it'd be funny and ironic if it was Poyo? Well, it is in fact Poyo. So uh, the even more ironic thing is when he's assigned to Poyo, his boss says, look, check it out, dude. Um, this is your new partner. But we can't find him, and it's super fucking weird we can't find him, so you're on the case. And Kobe's kind of jittery, and that kind of sparks a little bit of a hmm from his boss. So then Chu, who is definitely not on Kobe's good side, is also assigned to the case separately, and more so to Kobe's jittery ass. So then we get a bit of a montage of Kobe making his way back to the corpse of Poyo and Chew in the most Scooby-Doo and hilarious of manners following behind him, catches him and says, you're under arrest, motherfucker. But Kobe wakes up. It was all a dream. But it, he does, in fact, actually assigned in real life as well, but not necessarily Chew, at least at this point. But while all that's going on, Chu is actually not in his dream. He is at the hospital, and he's waiting on the recovery of his daughter. But he's also walking by uh, fucking Mason Savoy's room, too. All I'm going to get you, you motherfucker, for everything you did. I can't wait for you to wake up, you son of a bitch. Like, having those real devious type of mm-hmm moments. Well, he's at the hospital, and then he gets the call. Time to team back up with old D-Bear. This time the crime scene is involving a Mega Triceratops. Now, it's not necessarily missing. It's just uh, D-Bear is informing Tony that, yes, this, this Triceratops, it's not alive, obviously. It was frozen and dug up. And it was used for all of these scientific purposes. And now the people in possession of it now are the Bon Vivants. And then when Tony hears the Bon Vivants, he's like, I put those motherfuckers out of business. They should all be in jail. Debel explains to him, so they're actually legit now. It's cool that they have it. They purchased it all legally. They wanted to make sure all of the science motherfuckers had done what they got to do with it. And yeah, this is legit. So Tony's like, well, okay, what's the deal? And he said, well, I think that there's a, 
there, there's somebody of uh, mm, discernible interest that may be targeting this place. So we want to, you know, yeah, shit's going down. Well, the person of interest is a Mr. Benjamin Hanna, also known as the Burping Bandit. And his presumed uh, ability name, oh boy, here we go, is a Vectulatricture. Vectulatricture. Ugh, I'm not. Try one more time. <laughs> I, you guys fucking try it. This is hard. Vectulatricture. Layman does this on purpose. <laughs> he does. He does. He can't pronounce this shit either. I guarantee it. Uh, prove it, Layman. Come on the podcast and prove you could say these words <laughs> without struggling like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So what that means is that he's able to produce these debilitating burps uh, based off of drinking sour milk. Well, what the fuck does that have to do with a Triceratops, is what Tony's asking as he's walking into the restaurant that this Benjamin Hanna is sitting and dining at. And then, you know, he sees him, he's like, oh shit. So he points his gun at him and he says, you're under arrest. And D-Bear says, well, well, the thing is, is that he's not acti- actually a Vectulacturature, he's a Vectu... Vectu... Boricture, cyboricture, and what that means is the older the item is that he eats, the more debilitating and, yeah, awful his burps are. So when you have a creature that is 100 million years old, like a mega triceratops, you're about to be belching some badness. And that's exactly what he does. But here's the thing. D-Bear, he's fully prepared. He's got the gas mask uppercut like a motherfucker. That's the thing about D-Bear. He's getting really good with his goddamn uppercuts. He is. Because even back in that first chapter, I didn't really explain it. But when the old lady, she's going about her way, she doesn't just... There's not a whole lot of mercy shown from D-Bear back then. He actually fucking knocks her goddamn dentures out, too. So, <laughs> he don't give a fuck. Especially with that old lady. He had it out from her with her from the beginning. But anyways, back to chapter two. Uh, so, yes, knocks him out. Now, uh, from here, yes, Tony, this, this is... It may seem like, okay, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? They didn't even mention the collector... But really what this is actually setting up is the beginning of the respect that Tony is having for D-Bear as a partner and an overall detective. You know, the fact that he was completely ready with the, the, the gas mask the whole time and knowing what was coming. And yeah, it was, it was yeah, Tony, he's cool with it. So now, uh, Toby, Tony, he's called back into his office again, his boss's office again, and this time for real, for real, for real. He's signed to the Poyo case, but while all of that is going on, he's also getting a call from the hospital, and he get he gets he's informed that some bad shit happened. Well, we uh, this bad shit that happens is Savoy waking up, and when he wakes up, his first instinct is I gotta go check on Olive, and when he goes to check on Olive, he's caught by Amelia, and Amelia um, he he. She's not happy with this, so in her instinctive ways, you know, this is her, I guess, stepdaughter at this point, she breaks a goddamn hot coffee cup over his face, and this, this is not so good. Uh, Mason Savoy immediately says, you're gonna regret this, and the, the, the bad shit that 
Tony is informed of is the fact that A, Mason Savoy is awake, and B, both his daughter and his wife are missing. So, you could imagine some... <laughs> Ooh, man, Tony is going to be pissed. Tony is going to be pissed. This second chapter ended just like Chu tends to do. It, oh, fuck. So gnarly. So deep. It's hardcore. You think for a second that... Yeah, you know, oh, okay, this might just be kind of a filler story, and then bam, at the end. Urgh, gnarliness. Gnarly. Gnarly, gnarly. Alright, that was chapter two. Let's move on to chapter number three. Alright, well, from here, Agent Appleby, yep, Agent Appleby, now I'll get to that in a second, he is out of the hospital, he's all well, but he ain't quite the same, <laughs> uh, his lower half on account of how it was all cut in half, uh, <laughs> he got halved, he's now uh, half robot horse, so... That's, that's, <laughs> it's fucking gnarly. And Agent Valenzano, Mr. Caesar Valenzano, you know, he got his all little arm all chopped off. He's now got a robotic mechanical lobster claw hand thing. Ugh, so fucking good, man. <laughs> so yes, they're out, they're good, they're well, they're back on the force. Yes. Now, back to Appleby and his new title of just agent. He has been demoted on account of how he teamed up with, you know, rogue agents, with the miner, and all of this other stuff. So, yeah, he's meh. Uh, but on the upside, he's now reunited with his love, Colby, and they make a anatomically correct joke about the, the lower horse half and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, all, all types of comedy, I like that. Uh, <laughs> so now getting back to the story, we realize that Tony does in fact, he, he he realizes what actually went down. Savoy, like we were made to believe in the previous issue, he did not abduct his wife and his daughter. As a matter of fact, that went completely different because, you know, he's licking up the blood stains and doing what he does with his weirdness cybopathic ways so what actually happened is amelia is beating the living shit out of savoy olive comes to and says look this guy's been nothing but a friend and even goes on to say which tiny tiny tony does you know he he hears all of this or realizes everything that was said and some of the stuff that was said in there is the fact that olive even declares that Savoy, in some ways, in more ways than one, was a better father than uh, Tony ever was, and that that really weighs on him, and you know it plays a big part in some some of the decisions that you know he yeah uh, well that kind of goes back to the last issue as well you know I think that yeah that was touched on in the last issue, and anyways carrying on uh, so. She actually, you know, well, they're missing. What happened? Well, the, she decides that they they need to go after Collector. And they make their way out of there, but as they're sneaking their way out of the hospital, uh, Savoy decides that they should make their way to the cafeteria first to chomp on some jello, buddy. So... <laughs> uh, and the reason behind that is, is we learn about a whole new 
uh, ability that I'm not even going to fucking attempt to say again has to do with eating jello, and that's like a whole uh, genre of a bunch of subcategories of this type of ability. And then in that, that, that relays over to uh the 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 collector again and he is given this jello phone and he's talking to this other type of jello dude it's like genus or i don't know <laughs> one of those things so the ability there is you're able to anybody eating jello you're able to communicate with so this is uh well i would presume how olive is able to get the information that is being relayed throughout blah blah blah. Now what's going on here is collectors on the other end of this phone. He's assembling the jelly assassins. Now the jelly assassins. There's four of them uh, with three different abilities. Two of them. The only difference between them is one uses grape jelly. One uses strawberry. <laughs> but one of them is able to mold uh, actual brains that are able to create like psychic something 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 you know it's just science and fantasy all combined it doesn't have to make sense but it's fucking it's it's brilliant so yes you get you get the jelly assassins and you think oh shit this story arc's about to be nuts with these jelly assassins well <laughs> uh spoilers they don't really last all that long and we'll get to that in a minute because <laughs> well actually we'll get to that right now olive just takes him the fuck out she, they, they are slowly making their way towards uh, the collector and just, like I said, just laying... Ah, man, she, she's pissed. That's what's going on. She's laying waste to anybody that has any type of connection to the collector and just trying to get information out of where he could possibly be. Like I said, Tony realizes all of this and knows that there's no way that she's going to listen so, uh, and going back to the conversation that he witnesses happen in that hospital room between Savoy and Olive and Amelia initially, uh, he, she goes on to talk about how the reason why Tony would never listen to her is because a good example and reasoning behind her logic is how he's treating his best friend and former partner, Colby. So he uses that as the inspiration to actually step outside and surprises Colby by saying, Hey man, let's team up again. You know, I was I was harsh on you and I respect what you did. I just I don't want no trouble. Let's let's just find my daughter. Colby, he's so surprised by it, he's like, Oh fuck. You know what? And he races towards the dumpster where Poyo would be, and it's not there because the dump truck is rolling away. And that is the end of that chapter. <laughs> now, my first thought was, well, why? What? What? What is? Why would? I, so many? Why, Colby? Why the? <laughs> I don't get it. But oh, we definitely learn in the next in the next chapter. That's for sure. I don't know. I thought this. I thought this one was real cool. You know, the fact that they set up these jelly assassins. They gave them these you know, all of these intricate types of individual powers and names, and no, they just fucking dead. <laughs> That's, I really respect that about Layman, because he clearly puts a lot of time into these names and these abilities, because they're very unique, you know, this isn't condiment king type of shit, <laughs> this is, ah, uh, it's brilliant, and he's, he's, he. He's so confident. Yes, I'll create a character that, you know, you could individually probably create an entire story off of all in itself. But I'm going to give you three pieces of art revolving around this character and just kill it off. 
and do that so many times throughout this entire run. It's it's brilliant. Like I said, it's ugh. So that wraps up chapter number three. Let's move on to chapter number four. So Kobe, he he runs and he he gets himself a little pollo from the dump, and now <laughs> his mission is to get. Chow, Tony's brother, the renowned badass chef, to get him to cook it for him. Now, why would he possibly want him to do that? Well, we'll learn about that real soon. Meanwhile, we go back over to the collector, and he now has the telescope in Siberia as a base. Now, there are three of these telescopes, and these telescopes are so massively funded that the scientists... Their, their budget's so big, they really have nothing to do up there but to do drugs. So when the collector and his uh, generals, soon-to-be generals, arrive, mm, well, they're tripping fucking balls. So I guess their deaths weren't all that horrible. Because <laughs> they look, you know, they see these generals, and they got, like, a mashed potato man, and, like, this motherfucker with a super razor-sharp teeth and a spaghetti head, and they're like, oh, shit, dude, I'm tripping. Well, we'll learn he's not exactly tripping there. But, nevertheless, they all get torn apart, and now, bam. New base. So, uh, meanwhile, Valenzano, he's back. You know, he's, he's got his, his lobster claw and all that shit, and he's he's healthy. So he's he's paired back with Tony again. That leaves D-Bear with Agent Barry, who is the mm, not-so-bright, pretty-incompetent one in the FDA, but yes, so, mm, tough break for D-Bear, but, regardless, Tony, he's, he's realizing that, that these, these deaths, that are, are occurring, there's this whole abundance of these food-related deaths, and everyone just assumes that, you know, it's fucking, uh, the collector declaring war, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, at least for all of them. Some of them, yes. But one of them, you know, when they get to the old uh, jelly assassin crime scene, that's when Tony realizes, oh shit, Olive, she's a bad-ass bitch. And then from there, Tony, he catches up to Olive and Savoy and Amelia because, well, not just through cybopathic abilities, but Amelia at the same time because she's such a perfect match for Tony with her... Uh, her ability, which I can't fucking remember the name of it, but, uh, she's able to describe food in such a way that one would actually be able to taste it. So with Tony being able to, if he's able to taste something, then he's able to use his, you know, cybopathic ability. So yes, that's why they're such a perfect pair. So, uh, Amelia, she's blogging all of the, the, the badass fighting and shit that, Savoy and Olive are doing on their little path of destruction. So yes, that allows Tony to catch up, and then we get the face-off between Savoy and Tony. And immediately, Tony's like, you're under arrest, motherfucker. Fuck you for everything you did. I told you I was gonna get you. And Savoy, he's just kind of like, eh, alright, I guess. I'm not gonna fight it. And actually, Amelia, of all people, is the one that says, look, she's actually been really good with Olive. I've been watching this whole thing, 
And, yeah, I don't know. I think you should reconsider. And Tony reconsiders. He says, Savoy, get the fuck out of here. Olive, she's, you know, uh, you know, a little, hey, man, I'm going to miss you. you should, let's go take, him, take out the collector. Fuck that guy. Well, Savoy says, look, I'm not strong enough. You're not strong enough. Uh, Tony knows how, though, so boom, go listen to him. So now Tony, he gets home with his daughter, and he's saying, look, we're going to talk about this in the morning, and, you know, we'll figure all this shit out. Meanwhile, knock on the door, and guess who it is? Take a guess. Okay, you're wrong. It's Chow and Kobe with a freshly cooked pollo, and Tony does not exactly react like the way you think he would. And I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck, that's a federal agent. And he's like, oh shit, no, that means something. I'm super happy. I'm about to eat the shit out of this chicken dog. And that is how issue four ends. God damn, just, just like the rest of them. Ugh, so badass. So that wraps up chapter number four. Let's move on to the final chapter, number five. So full disclosure on this final chapter here, it is it's a doozy. <laughs> it is. This this chapter is hard. I did not expect any of this to happen in the manner that it does, but whew, let's just get down into it. Let's let's talk about this. So it starts out with the collector. He's assembling his generals. Now, forgive me as I come off like a bumbling fucking buffoon again as I try to pronounce these imaginary words. He uh, he pr uh, anoints his three generals, which. He does say, check it out. Uh, know that I am going to consume you eventually, and you will live on uh, forever in some way, shape, or form because of me. But they'll get to live as long as he gets to say they get to live and, you know, serve him and yada, yada, yada. So the uh, particular powers that these people possess. <laughs> so one of them, his, his power is called a, a Galbatata Yaster. Something like gall potato yester is what I'm going with. And he essentially, he's able to make mashed potato golems. And his second general is a pasta vesta vascular. And that he, the, as long as he's wearing pasta, so yes, he has pasta on his head. Uh, he, he, he's able to get ten times stronger. And his third general is a piscadentier. And essentially, the more pescatarian diet that the piscadentier has is the sharper, the, the crazier and razier, razier <laughs> teeth become. So, we get this whole build up about these three generals, and then bam, the collector realizes that Tony is there. There's been a breach, and before they even pan over the Tony next, the three generals are fucking gone. They're torn apart, that's it. Now, this is the banger of the story right here. A couple volumes back, maybe even a few volumes back, there was this small moment where Amelia whispers to Tony the key to beating the Cybopath. And as it was touched on in this last volume, a couple of chapters back, uh, Valenzano, he's going on saying, well, shit, man, Tony, if you know the, the key the whole time, why, what the fuck's been stopping you? And he says, well, because an innocent has to die. A, a good agent is going to have to die. So when Tony is presented the corpse of Pollo, he doesn't react in the way you think he would in that, in that last panel of that last issue. He's got this big old smile on his face. Turns out the agent, the one, the sacrifice that had to be made, was Pollo himself. Pollo, 
oh, Tony eats pollo. He's a badass motherfucking goddamn beast. And he is fucking this goddamn... Dude, sorry, I'm so excited. <laughs> the collector gets fucked up. And don't get me wrong, I mean, it is a back and forth. Tony is getting fucked up because he does get a little... uh a little ballsy, and there's a moment where after the first couple of swing, uh, swings are thrown, uh, Collector sits down at the table and says, hey man, why don't we eat? Well, let's let's become our best. Tony says, dude, I am my best. Have at it. Eat all you want. So we get this montage of the Collector just beefing up more and more and more and gaining all these powers and more ways, and then he's fighting Tony. And Tony, I mean, he does take a rip to the gut and all this shit, and he's getting fucked up, but the key to the the collector's defeat is a chocolate knife that Olive carved out for him. And we all know how Olive's abilities roll with those chocolate knives, man. That seems to be her favorite ability that, you know, she uses the most. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it's a badass fucking ability. It was actually one of my favorite issues, too, of that whole whatever. But, uh, yes, he has the knife, cuts the shit out of collector snaps his neck and as the collector lays there he he's giggling you know it's kind of like a joker moment <laughs> you know what's so funny well you know it's the cyberpath wins you know you're you're gonna consume me and you know it was gonna be one of us one or the other you're gonna get all these powers and tony he's like dude i'm not eating you the only thing that's gonna be eating you is rats dog and that that really kind of pisses off the collector. He's like, what a fucking waste, man. I went through and I got all this shit. And that, what? That's a fucking bummer. Well, that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's it. He's dead. The collector's fucking dead. <laughs> uh, so we're going to have two more volumes without the collector. And damn, I did not expect. I mean, I knew that, the, that there was going to be a showdown. But I didn't expect. Oof. But that's not it for the, that's not the last we see of him. That's the last we see of him alive, but now he gets to go to hell. I remember that one little uh, epilogue with Poyo arriving in hell in the ninth level. Well, guess what level the collector sent to? The ninth level. And we have this montage of him being tortured by Poyo, but we have this little blurb down in the corner saying this is actually not what really happens in this epilogue. This is, you know, speculative. This could potentially happen, but really all this is is a distraction and kind of a little giggle before we show you the actual epilogue when you turn the page. And the actual epilogue when you turn the page is a very, very sad Tony Chu holding a very, very lifeless body of Amelia. So, <laughs> that's... Whew. They 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 set up those last couple pages super roller coaster style man. That that's that's volume ten in a nutshell. That was oh like, like I say every time this by no means don't let this deter you from actually going out and buying the book reading it for yourself. I I can only deliver so much of this inter entertainment. These these two Guillory and Layman they're masters at their craft in every way. It's just comedy after comedy, even in the most dire of situations, they know how to still kind of uh, bring light to very dark, dark subjects. <laughs> uh, I cannot respect this book enough. I, I remember that I just, uh, I, when f it was it, because of this, it was actually because of Farmhand that I'm reading this. When Farmhand hits the shelves and I was just kind of getting into comics again, Farmhand was actually one of my first books I had on my very first pull list, admittedly. And when I was putting it on there, the someone in line 
uh, said, oh, dude, if, you know, you have a red shoe. I said, no, what's what's shoe? And he said, well, this this is where Guillory comes from, and it's an absolutely amazing comic. Go back and read it, and here I am. Now I've now possessed all of the collected volumes of chew and i'm laying them out for you guys just because that's how much i love and appreciate this book and i truly uh it's one of my most recommended reads in all of comics because it is not typical superhero spandex type of stuff it is the most imaginative type of comic book storytelling you could possibly well imagine <laughs> so that wraps up trade negotiations chew Volume 10, Blood Puddin', John Lehman, Rob Guillory. I'd like to thank you all for listening. I'd like to remind you you can support this podcast by coming by becoming a Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash cheers to comics. And for as little as a buck, just a buck a month, that's it. You can help contribute to this podcast. And, I, I you know, I, I do actually get your money's worth out of that buck stickers. Uh, any any two you sign up you're automatically getting stickers so and that's just the tip of the iceberg there's all different types of tiers and uh, some of the tiers even include getting sent free variants or you know uh key issues things like that so i I like to give back too uh i just more than anything lets me know that you guys enjoy the content enough to be able to fork over a you know, a little bit of your hard-earned money, which, you know, I do appreciate. The other way you could support this podcast does not involve any of your hard-earned money at all, but it does, in fact, involve a lot of your very valuable, or um, not a lot, not a lot at all of your very valuable, precious time, but every little bit of time, I, uh, I truly respect when you do take it to rate this podcast on Apple or wherever you listen, but those those little five-star reviews are huge. Uh, another place you could rate the podcast is on Podchaser. It's this fancy new website, podchaser.com, uh, where it's, it's the IMDB social media type of whatever you call it. I don't even know what to call it. It's it's a thing in its own, but you could follow all your pod, favorite podcast creators along with your podcast. It gives you very awesome updates, like a social media feed almost, without the cringy social media shit that you really don't want to see when you're scrolling. It's it's just stuff that you want. It is, it's, it's beautifully done, and I would imagine that there's an app coming soon. But you could the fact is you could rate the Cheers to Comics podcast in, individually by episode and overall, and the Cheers to Comics podcast proudly belongs to a list. That's the other thing about ch- Podchasers. They have lists that are uh developed by well just just about anyone but uh the second biggest and still growing list on podchaser is alternate reality radio and the cheers to comics podcast probably belongs to that along with a bunch of other badass pod i think we got 46 other shows on the list something like that so yes follow us on that and I thank you so much for supporting the podcast, even just by downloading it. I know that I truly do admire your your listening ship and you following me along as long as we have. It's it's been fun. Thank you, Slurred, so much for tuning in. Y'all nerds, support your local LCS. Read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers. Thank you.
Hey, this is Liz. Hey, this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We are talking Star Wars, Star Trek, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. See you soon.